Call me one. Okay. So this is She's in Russia. We are currently in sunny, wintry, freezing cold New York City. We're on the Q train heading towards Brighton Beach. This is the meat of the podcast. <laughs> Wait, have you ever have you ever caught your have you ever caught your profile reflection in the mirror? <laughs> yeah. 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 Shit feel like I won't ever make it home. Traffic's backed up, I got to get off of this road. Hooked on the gas, I swear to God, I'm in my zone. This is She's in Russia. I'm Smith and I'm in Brooklyn. And Lily is currently taking the train back to her parents' house. She leaves tomorrow to go back to Russia. Today we spent her last day kind of tromping around Brighton Beach, which is a neighborhood in southern Brooklyn with a large former Soviet immigrant population. And we just spent a lot of time talking to different people and drinking tea and eating snacks and charming or offending people, depending on the person. And today's episode is just going to be a collection of some of the greatest bits from those conversations and I'll kick it off by playing a recording we made on the train home a little bit about the history and demographic makeup of the neighborhood you can talk too so we're on the train right now on the queue Manhattan bound heading back from Brighton Beach from our day on the cold wintry beach of Brighton today we basically spent the entire day in that neighborhood which is a neighborhood in southern Brooklyn like right next to Coney Island it shares the same beach it's just like the next door neighborhood we spent the whole day there talking to people who live there and who work there you'll hear a history a sort of like more nuanced history probably put together from all the people we talked to but just very briefly it's it's a neighborhood that like originally was farmlands until the mid 1800s and then it started to be developed as a sort of seaside resort place and in the beginning it was a place that people would go and like stay there was a big famous hotel i think called brighton beach hotel or brighton hotel where people would go stay overnight because it's like too far from the city to go do a day trip and if i'm not mistaken wealthier people would take like ferries from from Manhattan or from somewhere else, so they wouldn't come on the train. But then as the train line got better, the in the early, I think in 1925, in the early 20th century, people started to come for just the day because the train lines were faster and more efficient. The hotel closed down in the early 20th century. But Brighton's been known for a while as like a neighborhood that attracts a lot of immigrants from different parts of the world. It was a, a big, it was a place where a lot of Holocaust survivors moved right after World War II or during, actually starting as early as the 30s. In in the late 1980s, when the Soviet Union collapsed early 1990s, Russians or former Soviet people started moving to Brighton Beach. And like from all over, not just Russian, a lot of Ukrainians, and then more recently, a lot of people from former Soviet republics in Central Asia. So today we we just went around like the main drag, which is Brighton Beach Avenue. 
um, and a little bit on the beach itself, like popping into places that we'd either heard of or just like looked friendly kind of to us or had people that might feel that like had people in them that weren't super busy and could maybe talk to us. And that was like our only, what, criteria? Yeah. And then ask them about the neighborhood. Well, um, basically, Brighton has, in my experience, and I, uh, I'm only saying it from the personal experience, not from any scientific uh, research, uh, that Brighton has undergone at least two major ethnic transformations. Um, the Jewish um, culture of the 80s that was described uh, so funnily in songs by Vilya uh, Tokarev. Um, is now com almost completely gone and it was pretty much gone by the late 90s. Uh, the Jews were mostly replaced by ethnic Russians. I would say maybe uh, not even uh, late 90s but uh, the beginning of the millennium. It was mostly Russian Russians okay. and now they're being replaced by um, the immigrants from Central Asia. Uh, people from uh, Uzbekistan and uh, uh, Tajikistan and uh, you, you can just see it visually and th th those ethnicities can be told apart <laughs> even from Russians to Jews to uh, uh, Central Asians so uh, the the, I don't want to say genetic but uh, ethnic makeup is uh, changing quite a bit My name is James so basically I live near the Brighton Beach which is on the Napchon Avenue Brighton 7 so I'm really close to my workplace so it's not too far, you know. Mm -hmm. I live in this community, and uh, this place is uh, really familiar to my hometown and for other people who were from former Soviet Union. Okay. So the, all the basic countries from Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Tajikistan, and all the other countries, it's they feel familiar with this place because they know each other and they comfortable with each other. They can communicate and they can get easily get to tease each other because they know each other and I want to say that uh, if you want to see how it was in the previous time the Soviet Union the, all these countries how that was together is the best place to come and visit to meet and see the culture which is living on going on here because mm. If you're going to upstairs of the New York, Manhattan, the Brighton Beach is absolutely different. You're not going to see something which is familiar for U.S., for states. The behavior, the moral states, and everything is different here. Yeah, so originally from the Middle Asia, which is Tajikistan. Okay. It's one of the former of, uh, Soviet Union. Uh, I moved to New York about three years ago, two or three years ago, uh, for the reason that uh, I've finished my high school as a senior and I decided to come here and uh, join for college, for community college, and then move to the bachelor's degree or something higher, master's degrees. So uh, I said that uh, I want to be close to my parents and to my um, to my family because they moved earlier mm. and I was still there in my uh, native country so it's different for me but when I came here to the Brian Beach I feel I'm okay here because there's still the same people you can feel that 
and you not really worry about that. But by the time I just went out of the Brian Beach, it's really different yeah. for me. I've never seen it again. I thought I just when I came to Brian Beach, I thought, oh, fine, it's this familiar to my native country. But when you just move out of the Brian Beach, it's you know it's all totally different. The new world for you. In, in the Soviet Union, the first language was the Russian and it still persists in other countries which were in the Soviet Union. So we can communicate in the same language and we don't have the borders of it. For example, when some other immigrants come to the US, they're forced to know English to communicate with each other. They need to learn it. But in the, our case, when they come to the Brian Beach, they don't need to. They already know Russian and they're absolutely fine with this. And that's the one of the examples how the uh, this former Soviet Union still persists. Yeah, and also the culture, the food, which was uh, shared with, between the countries within the Soviet Union, they keep the traditions. They have this similar food, a little bit changed, but they still have the same. Do you sometimes forget that you're in America? I'm sorry? Do you sometimes forget that you're in America? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Wait, so can you tell me about um, when you were growing up in Tajikistan? Yeah, sure. You learned Russian in school? Yeah, I learned Russian in school. Okay. Yeah. And English? Uh, yeah, but I had to go from actual classes for English because it, it wasn't practice so much in our school because basically our second language was Russian. And your first language? Uh, my first language is the Tajik. 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 Yeah, it's a Tajik. And you speak that at home? Uh, sometimes, but we more used to the Russian, to be honest. I more used to the Russian. I don't know why, maybe because it was still there. When your, your parents moved here like a decade ago, you mm -hmm. said, um, why did they decide to move? So, uh, the problem was that we had uh, some uh, difficulties with our neighbors, which is uh, Uzbekistan, I mean the country, another country which is next to us. We were trying to uh, build the electricity stations, which was based on the water, but the other country was needed in this water, and if we would just build a station, they wouldn't get the water, and that was a huge problem with this. They, uh, said that if they if we're gonna build the station they will, will be forced to start war because of the water and the economic problem comes to our country for the crisis began and a lot of people moved to the different countries so it was basically either Russia or either states so they decided to come to the states because it's real, real perspective they could earn some money start a new life and there was a lot of opportunities in this country. You grew up here? Yeah. When, like, when did you come here? 1976. Okay. From? Belarus. Belarus. From Belarus, okay. When I, I'm curious about like when you first got here, were there a lot of Soviet people here or it was still... Uh, no, it was just in the status of immigration. The first immigration came in, started coming out in 1970, 71, 72, and then the following people, you know, that's when they started letting the people out. Okay. Why, why is it that the former Soviet people picked Brighton, do you know? 
Well, I guess it wasn't picked by just the people from former Soviet Union. It was picked by people from Odessa, Ukraine, because they used to live by the sea, and so that's why they called it uh, Brighton, Odessa by the sea. You moved here with your parents? Like yes, you were of course. Little. Yeah. yeah, I was 14 years old when I came here. And they, did they come? Did they, did they come here because they had friends or what did they come here for? Majority of the people came into this country because the Russia violated the religious freedom, anti-Semitism, you know, first, mm -hmm. first of the people that start coming out here because of the religion reasons. And they were trying to escape the iron feast of former Soviet Union communists. What about your family? My family, it's a different situation. We came here because my grandmother had a sister and brother that was Americans, they were born here. Huh. So she came reunited uh, to the United States to reunite with her family and we came alone, my family. Do you work, like, do you work in this neighborhood? I'm a businessman. Okay. Huh. So in, not just Brighton Beach, it's like... Well, here where you're sitting, yeah. A little piece of the action and uh, someplace else. Okay. So this isn't, this is like part of your business, it's not just your favorite restaurant or something? No. no. Okay. Some of the other people we've talked to today kind of describe Brighton as like a mini Soviet Union with a lot of people from Well, uh, I would disagree with that for a number of reasons. You have a about 30 or 40 different nationality, ethnic groups. Mm that's living in Brighton because of a lack of knowledge of English and mm. it's easy to communicate so you have majority of stores businesses and stuff like that but I wouldn't say that you have over two million people of Russian population living in the United States a majority of it is in New York mm. but you know we won't consider you know, like you know I have kids that were born here grandkids that were born here they're Americans but they still with a Russian heritage right and uh, they live all over the place. But people that live here, you know, for, a, for you know, to my knowledge, for the reason that uh, it's easier to adapt to a new way of life in the United States. Okay. Do you ever go back to Belarus? No, I haven't. No, never. Okay. okay. Never went back to Russia, never went back to the former Soviet Union. No interest? No interest because I'm an American. With a Russian roots. Okay. Did you go to, like, when you were, before you were 14, when you were growing up, did you travel around the Soviet Union? See well, I had a few trips there and here. I went to a few major cities, but uh, it's not the excitement that I should uh, talk about it because it really wasn't exciting in those days. You know, I was too young to understand what's going on, and then I realized that uh, I would experience much more interested parts of the world when I come to this country and like I said earlier I visited like half of the world mm. I've been all over the islands Europe all over Europe far east far west and you name it mm -hmm. as a tourist of course mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. will you get adjusted into a way of life and you get to like a certain lifestyle you realize for yourself I mean uh, What's better for you? You know, live in a mega palace or live in uh, some outskirts of uh, Nebraska? You know what I'm saying? I've traveled throughout the United States. I've been East Coast, West Coast, like I mentioned earlier. 
I've been a lot of, you know, through a lot of major cities and small towns, and it's not exciting. It's a different life. New York, it's the capital of the world. So you got like 130 different nationalities, ethnic groups, diaspora, you name it. I mean, what you can find in New York, you won't be able to find anywhere throughout the United States. What did your father do when you guys first moved? Uh, my father was a businessman. Huh. So it runs in the family? I'm sorry? It runs in the family. Well, my majority of my family, you know, I have four, four brothers and one sister. And mm -hmm. uh, they, yeah, my youngest brother is an American. He was born here. He's 42 years old. He works for the government. My sister oh. worked as a manager for the one of the commercial banks, and she retired already. And my other brother lives out in Florida, oh. who also has his own little business. Oceana used to be used to be uh, Brighton Beach Pads. Used to be a place for people to get away to have a private membership in front of the beach. They had their own swimming pool. They have their own baths in there. It was kind of exciting, but you know, once people got older, they lost their interest. And with the majority of people coming out to the United States from former Soviet Union, need a place to live. So they figure it out. The developer I'm talking about figured it out that. Uh, why not uh, build something nice and make money out of it, make it become profitable instead of, uh, instead of just let it sit there in the wasteland? Mm -hmm. Because people weren't buying memberships anymore. Membership was like $2,000, I remember. And it was a bit expensive just for a short two months. The rest of the time, it just stood closed. Mm -hmm. So developer, with the help of local congressmen, assembly people, senators, got into the right direction and uh, they pass it through and they build a little mini city called Ashana by the beach. Is there a banya? Is it banya? Yeah. Yeah, plenty of banyas in Brooklyn, yes. Oh. It, okay, but in Brighton is there one? No, no. Okay. It used to be on West 6th Street and uh, Shell Road, but it just lasted for a couple of years and then they just closed it down, they tear it down and now it's an office building coming up. There is one on Neck Road, there is one on Seagate, there is one on Coney Island Avenue and Avenue C. That's about it. Is it, is it a place that you go? Like I don't go to the bad houses, okay. no. Okay. It's not my cup of tea. Like I said, I'm more American than Russian. Any good story you want to tell us? Before we let well, go. I don't want to get into the specifics. I don't know what you have in mind. I mean, the good story to me, it's one thing. The good story to you and your listeners, it's something else. I mean, I'm I not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go into the specifics about the criminal life in the neighborhood. But uh, you can look around. I mean, you can ask questions. Some people like to talk. I mean, especially for you, you speak Russian. You know, don't say nothing in English, just approach people and tell them, you know, we work for the radio station, we like to get an interview. Whatever you don't want to say, you don't have to say. Just say what you feel, we're going to ask you a few questions, and that's it. And if they respond to you in uh, Russian and English, then you know you got the right person. People that are willing to give out information that doesn't concern them, they shouldn't talk about it. Mm. You can only say things that uh, you know things that uh, you experience yourself and if you want to go in further you have to find someone else. The best time for that is like spring and summer. We have a lot of people over here. A lot of them have nothing to do. There's an old timers living that also been living here for 40, 50 years and they capable of communicating perfectly in both languages and uh, you can give it a shot. I mean if you're here just uh, randomly and you're not coming back in a while 
then uh, I don't know what to tell you. We're in Robert Daniel Salon. Um, there is Brighton Beach. And Robert Daniel Salon's been around for 12 and a half years. Um, I came to, to Brighton uh, 1998. Um, actually came to the United States about 40 years ago, but I bought the store next door, um, Brighton Beauty Supply that's been around since 1961. Mm -hmm. um, I bought it in uh, 1998. Mm -hmm. um, about five, six years later, um, I, um, I built Robert Daniel Salon oh. here, so yeah. Originally, I come from Moscow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I lived in Moscow. Um, I left Moscow when I was eight years old. And um, we traveled to Austria. Uh, I lived there for about two weeks, then went to Italy. Lived in Italy for about almost nine months. So, and um, yeah, we, would, we were supposed to go to Israel. Yes, but we changed our route. You were able to do that um, in, um, in Italy. So we changed the route. That's why we had to wait a little bit longer than others. Uh, and we came to the United States. We came to America. And, and why did your parents decide to leave Moscow? We left Moscow for a number of reasons. Um, I am Jewish, and um, Jewish people, they were allowed to leave. Um, as you know, back then, no one wanted Jewish people in their countries, in their states, and so forth. So the Jews were um, given the opportunity to leave. And a lot of Jews, they, they filed you know, to leave Russia. Um, and the way it works is, um, it, you're a working person, and once you file, you're fired from the place where you work. You can no longer work. So you, you took a chance on, you know, making money and, you know, still having, you know, the ability to support your family. So um, some people are pretty lucky. They get an answer within about three months, two months. Uh, some people are not so lucky. They would wait two to three, sometimes five, six years. Yep. So, you know, they, they would have to shuffle and mingle, you know, to work because no one will accept you. Um, in terms of, you know, back then everything was a government job. So, you know, everybody knew everything about you, you know. So. But, um, yeah, so we came to the United States and, you know, the land of opportunity, you know, where um, my, uh, my dad, uh, he used to be an opera singer. So he, uh, he began to sing here. Um, and that didn't work out too well because in the United States, the way it is mostly is no matter how good you are, but if you weren't born here or if you don't have, you know, certain descent, um, places won't, you know, take you as an opera singer or maybe perhaps it was just poor management, whatever it was. So he began to drive a cab, a yellow cab. So he was driving a yellow cab. Um, just like all Russian people, you know, they, they would come here, you know, they had no English, they had nothing, you know, so they would go get licenses, everybody drove, they would get um, hack licenses, go drive yellow cabs, uh, their wives would go become manicurists, you know, so, and that's how everybody started here, and um, Brighton Beach is, uh, is a place where a lot of Russians, Russian people came, you know, especially people from Odessa, 
Odessa, um, it kind of reminded, you know, the Bright Beach very similar because everything's on the beach, you know. So it was a lot of fun. So a lot of Russian Jews that came, they first came, not everybody, but most of the people, they came to Brighton Beach, mm-hmm. you know, seeking the opportunity, you know, where they can, you know, become, you know, what they couldn't become in Russia, especially, you know, Jewish people. And Jewish people, you know, again, you know, very, very limited everywhere, you know, especially Russia. And once they uh, came here, you know, they had the opportunity to be whoever they want to be, you know, and um, they were extremely educated. So a lot of them went into um, science and uh, teaching and um, programming. you name it, you know, a lot of business people. You have a lot of very, very, um, you know, sm- smart uh, Russian businessmen as well. So, you know, they began to open up little businesses, buying here, reselling there, buying low, selling high, you know, and, and things like that. So, um, and that's how um, Brighton Beach has become Brighton Beach. Vadim. Bella, Arina. I'm from St. Petersburg and I came to United States 27 years ago, but we came to Michigan. We started there and we moved just over here just five years ago because my son is here and my grandson is here, which is much more important. (laughs) And remind me what you did in St. Petersburg? I was a tour guide in St. Petersburg and I thank you and I was working at public school in Michigan in ESL program yeah for Russian students or for no for it was a lot of Chaldean kids Arabic and Russian yeah so everybody who needed ESL why did you immigrate from Russia in the first place well, mm, it was a very difficult time. It was um, 1991, okay. and we have this, had this feeling that the wall was falling on us. It was so chaotic, so dangerous. And we didn't want our son to go to the Soviet Army. Uh-huh. And it was a lot of reasons, and we were Jewish. So we didn't want to stay there. That's why. And so it was between here and going to Israel. Yes. Yes. Did you consider Israel? My husband did. I did not. I'm not religious. And um, that's why. Okay. Yeah. Let's. I mean, our story is pretty uh, typical. Our our story is pretty typical. We both both immigrated in the early 90s. Um, Obviously, I came with my parents and my wife came with hers. Uh, I moved to Michigan. She moved to Arizona. And we both grew up in our respective states. Went to college, uh, first high school, then college and uh, uh, post-graduate program. And um, I moved to New York. Uh, I came in for a graduate program. My wife came for, uh, uh, for work. And so we met and started a family here. And uh, we used to come to Brighton Beach a lot uh, when we lived a little bit closer. But uh, ever since we bought a house, we, uh, it's, just not, it's just a little bit further out of the way. And we can get pretty much everything um, in, 
in our neck of the woods, so to speak. So. So they used to have another um, cultural icon place here that they don't have anymore. It was called M&I International. It was a grocery store. And when Russians would come here in the like, late 70s, early 80s, it was basically paradise for, the, for them because there was everything, the caviar, the breads, the everything. And so we, we still, we witnessed it. I think it closed like five or six years ago. So there's no M&I anymore. There's lots of competition. So lots of stores change owners here. I mean, this store is going to close soon probably, but oh well. I mean, there is a lot of turnover in New York, obviously, and uh, Brighton Beach is no exception. Things change all the time. Uh, there are still some staples that are still here, like St. Petersburg Bookstore, RBC is still here, Brighton Bazaar, and a few. Wait, this is a random question, but we just bought these. So these are, like, one of our favorite things from Russia. Oh, the cotton ball, the, 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 the cheese balls? Yeah, the cheese balls. Oh, we love them. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, we love them so much. <laughs> what is it? Che- uh, so, so I, I, I have a relationship with them for reals, for reals. Yes. So, um, so when I was in Moscow, I went to school that was sponsored by a producer of those cheese balls. There used to be only one, 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 uh, one uh, um, manufacturing company, Astankinsky Zavod, Malochnych Produktov in Astankina, because that's where my school was, and it produced those because they were very hard to get in Soviet Union. But we had them almost every day for lunch in my school. So I am like the most, uh, the mo- like I'm your be- best prodigy child for the cheese balls or whatever they are. And then, and then when we came here, of course, um, so when we had our son, we taught him to love them. And actually last year for his birthday at school, we, brought, we bought everyone those cheese sirki. Uh, and we just passed them instead of candy. So. Wait, so where did you buy them? Well, he, well, some were probably in New Jersey in a Russian store. What's your story with them? Our story is just that um, they're amazing and I love them. And I live in St. Petersburg. Smith just visited Saint Russia, St. Petersburg, for the first time in September this year. Mm-hmm. And she especially became obsessed with them. And we were thinking... People in America but have not like made it. But this is like almost like the equivalent of a It's almost a very small and delicate cheesecake. Exactly. Yeah. It's and a perfect hard cheesecake shell, and it's inexpensive. So it's like a cheesecake mini. I call them cheesecake bite. Okay, fair enough. It's going to be the that brand. Sense, right? And I'm thinking, why has no one exported this everywhere to all the shops everywhere? Which is funny. I don't normally like cheesecakes, but I love these. So it's, I mean, there is definitely a <laughs> degree of truth. to get in the Soviet Union. He That's never, the thing. So, yeah, so apparently his childhood in, in St. Petersburg, and we, we compare notes, uh, was uh, bleaker than my childhood in Russia with those things. Like, he couldn't believe that my lavish life that I had those, and I had bananas, and I had oranges, and... <laughs> You can tell the difference because uh, the difference between Moscow and other cities was okay. uh, tangible. Okay. Uh, Moscow had much much better supply of okay. things. Well, as I said, at uh, some point in history, something disappeared. Like uh, simple things, you know, like Total sugar, people. all of a sudden. 
It was a great deficit. Sugar was gone. You know, it was gone completely. Or, you know, buckwheat. Or simple things. And nobody could predict it. What happened, why it happened. It just disappeared. So, in especially, well, in Moscow, it's another story. Horse of a different color. But the rest of the country, oh my God, you know. Do you, do you want to hear about my project, the, the, the translation Please, thing? Please, yeah, yeah, tell okay. us. And you're a yeah. chemist and a... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a chemist, but uh, that's my day job. Okay. And uh, I'm actually I'm a forensic chemist, <laughs> so it's uh, even slightly more of the beaten path. That's mm -hmm. not something the Russian people normally do. Um, but uh, I was going to uh, say oh. uh, uh, mention that... Um, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, uh, another person from a completely different neck of the woods. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, there was this Russian uh, singer-songwriter named Vladimir Vasotsky, uh -huh. whose name is uh, familiar to every Russian speaker uh, in the world. Uh, probably uh, one of the most famous Russian poets of all time, uh, who unfortunately is not very well known outside of Russian-speaking communities because of the language barrier. So um, I've taken upon myself to translate his works into English and uh, record them using more modern, more uh, contemporary uh, musical arrangements. So I've been doing this for, for a while now. I released four full-length albums with uh, my translations and my arrangement of um, his, his works. So the number four just came out. and. Um, They've been uh, ranked fairly high, by, rated fairly high by um, professors of Slavistics in various uh, departments of uh, Slavic studies. Um, and I performed uh, numerous concerts f uh, in places like, um, like from Pittsburgh, Boston, uh, Salt Lake City, San Francisco, and even more exotic places like London and Copenhagen. And uh, because I believe that he was a tremendous poet whose uh, impact should not be limited by just the Russian speakers. And just like uh, Homer and Shakespeare, whose works were translated into other languages, allowing for their worldwide fame, I, I thought it would be uh, appropriate to um, allow the same opportunity to Vladimir Vasotsky. And uh, if you want to check out my website, it's actually very easy. Uh, VV, as in Vladimir Vasotsky, VV in English.com. One word, vv, vv in english.com. Um, I got the what? The, the domain, I'm surprised that domain was available. Yeah, why not? Why, why would anyone else with vv? Actually, I was, yeah. Uh, actually, I was contacted by uh, some Chinese manufacturer that wanted to do something with that domain, and I, uh, and I said no. <laughs> so it, it's still mine. Like I play guitar. I play guitar and sing. Uh, usually, when I perform, it's just me playing acoustic. Uh, in studio, it's much more involved. Uh, about 50 people with different instruments been involved with the project over the years, in, uh, including a f uh, full-size uh, symphonic orchestra. Because on a couple of songs, I felt it was appropriate to use a full symphonic orchestra. And when I got an opportunity to record with a symphonic orchestra, I seized it immediately. Uh, but I uh, played with all, um, all kinds of musicians, all kinds of musical backgrounds, all kind of, kinds of ethnic backgrounds in, uh, in genres like rock and blues and tango and even hip-hop and uh, uh, fusion of all kinds. And uh, it, uh, overall, I'm fairly happy with the results. Um, and I heard pretty uh, popular, I mean, pretty positive feedback.
Yeah, actually, there is a lot of people from the Middle East and from Uzbekistan uh, in this area, uh, from Samarkand particularly, because they, I don't know how come, but they win a lot of uh, green card in the lottery. So that's why they come over, I don't know, that uh, maybe family and uh, friends, everybody was playing probably. Lotto, green card lottery, <laughs> which is, which is no good for our president now. You see. <laughs> <laughs> the president. Did you did you do that? Did you do a lottery? Yeah, it was um, 25 years ago. But listen, now it's different. I moved from Israel to yeah. with my wife. Yeah. Okay, so you were living. You might immigrated to Israel first. Yeah, in 1990, and I used to live there two and a half year, and then I moved out. Hmm. Why did you go to Israel in the first place? I was young at this time and uh, that uh, I go there with my parents. I wanted to ask you about this. This is your shop? Yeah. Okay, so can you just um, maybe describe like the story behind it and when you opened it and why and a little bit about it? That actually years ago that area was more popular than now. So, in this time, 10 years ago, when I purchased that uh, business, I bought from somebody else that business. It was very popular. And then, the, the real estate goes up, rent is goes up, and now is, uh, you don't have to buy any, buy out any businesses to get some place like this mm -hmm. so you can rent it today is not so popular because a lot of senior citizens here they're not buyers they're not buyers and those people who are immigrants they don't spend much money for this kind of business so now is much quieter than it was before were a lot of people moving from Uzbekistan to Israel was that a common thing that people did yeah all of them Really? Nothing Israel? left, yeah. It, there is no Jewish people now in Uzbekistan. Oh, I didn't know that. that. When, and, like starting when? In the, like the 70s? No, like after the, the late, late 80s. Yeah. Late 80s, okay. Yeah, there was a big popularity, population of the Bukharian Jews. What is that? The <coughs> type of Jewish, Jews uh, like, uh, they have Ashkenazi, yeah, yeah. they have oh, from yeah, yeah. Uh, Middle East. Okay. So Bukharian Jews is the. Uh, they looks a little bit different, but the same. From Central Asian, Central yeah. Asian Jews. Oh. And that's what your family is. That's your family heritage. Yeah, I'm talking about uh, most of the people, most of most of the Jews who lived in uh, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, uh, actually Tajikistan. And, near uh, Soviet Republic. Right. Wow. So they all moved out to Israel and some of them came over mm. to this country. Do you remember um, your family ever talking about a place called Birobidjan? Have you heard of that? No, I heard about it. Uh -huh. It's just the name that was created by Stalin years ago. But there is not much Jews was living there. So Most of the all come Ashkenazi Jews. They come from Ukraine, 
Russia. Berebidjan, uh, there was not so comfortable for Jews there. Did you grow up speaking Russian also? Of course, yeah. Okay. Because, so, the, because the, the assimilation everywhere in that republic. Before revolution, 1917, the, the, nobody speak Russian there right. in this republic. But they forced them, everybody that took, occupied them, and they did uh, assimilation with the Ru Russian people. That's the episode. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media, on Instagram and Twitter at She's in Russia. Sign up for our newsletter at She's in Russia.com. It's monthly and image based, so not that much reading. Follow us on Arena, that's R-A-R-E dot N-A, and we'll have channels for each episode, and we'll have pictures and music from that particular episode, and we'll be sure to include pictures we took today uh, in Brighton, and of course, as always, subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and we will see you next week. Happy New Year. <laughs>